Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name your price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxwain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates Price and Coverage Match Limited by State Law. typical you know approach is it's a win park and ride that type of thing but you sat out the last three games you're coming in tonight is there a little bit of a chip on your shoulder to, to, to show the world like hey don't forget about me i'm here nope thanks welcome back kings of the podcast episode 14 dennis bernstein buckle up we are ready to roll here oh yeah can't wait john it's uh it's great times right now so let's do it Look, the uh, hockey Twitter is just a buzz right now. You know, the Kings are on a little bit of a mini roll. And Dennis, I don't know if you if you noticed this last night in one of my tweets, but over the last ten games, uh, the Kings are are right there with every other team in the Western Division. But they're the hottest team in the West right now. They have won two straight games, something nobody else in the division has done. For the second time this year, John, it's not a first time thing. They've actually won two straight before. But look, the game you got to win last night, right? Minnesota mm-hmm. hadn't played in two weeks. Yep. Uh, again, the depth players are coming through, and it was a nice win. I really get that's a must win, John. If we get a team coming off that long of a laugh, you just got to go out there, do what you need to do, and, and, and get the W. Well, they didn't have a choice, Dennis, because McClellan, he basically threatened the media as well as all of the players. He told everybody on Monday and then told reminded them again on Tuesday that rust cannot be an excuse in this game. He didn't want to hear anything about it. Uh, he said that can be Minnesota's excuse, but the L.A. Kings will not stand for that. And he even specifically said and, and addressed it to the media and said he didn't want the media using that as an excuse either. So he was not having any part of it. Oh, absolutely not. And look, they jumped on him early. They got to who lead. But I'll tell you something. Second and third periods, that was Jonathan Quick's game. He mm-hmm. saved them because he made, I think I said in the second period, they had eight high danger chances in Minnesota. They had a lot of opportunity to score goals. And John played his best game of the year this, last night. Okay, so let's just get right to it then. Let's talk about Jonathan Quick and the question that I asked in the press conference because it's uh, people are talking about it. So, and I'm sure you have uh, your your take on it here. So, so what do you want to know? 
just I don't want to know anything. I just thought it was a, it was fantastic. As soon as they marched Jonathan out to do the Zoom, that you and I both had the same thought. Like, oh, this ought to be good. And yeah, right. He certainly delivered a Jonathan Quick answer, at least to one of your questions. Look, here's the thing. I, the way that he reacted to the question is completely, um, his answer is not true or accurate in my opinion. Okay, so here's the deal. Everybody, Please. media, fans, etc., have been trying to hand the keys to Cal Peterson, perhaps yourself included with the question that you had asked Todd just the day before, like, hey, what's going on here? Like, are you ready to name Cal Peterson the starter? And I think you've asked him that question a couple of times, and Todd keeps pushing the question off. So media, fans, everybody's hyping up the fact that Cal Peterson is among the top five uh, in terms of save percentage in the NHL right now, and, and John's expected goals uh, saved, you know, near the bottom of the league, bottom 10, I think, uh, coming into last night's game. He Quick was pulled in that game, as McClellan made reference to about a week ago, and they hadn't gone back to him after all year long. They had been sort of alternating back and forth. So look, it's a fair and legit question. Hey, Quickie, <laughs> you get back in there, and were you trying to make a statement to your teammates, to the coaching staff, to the media, to whomever? Don't forget about me. I'm still here. I'm still Jonathan Quick. His answer is no, and I don't believe that for one second. Jonathan Quick was lights out last night, and that was a statement game by him, in my opinion. Yeah, he. if he hadn't played well, John, and they had lost a game to a team that didn't play for two weeks, who knows when he would have seen him again? Mm -hmm. Because you and I had talked, I think it was three straight or four straight games Cal played in, and when was the last time John sat on the bench? Healthy. Mm -hmm. that long period of time. We can't remember. I'd have to go back maybe to his rookie season. It's been that long. So mm -hmm. it, we just forget how long he set the standard for goaltending in Los Angeles. Yeah, it was an outstanding performance by Jonathan Quick. And it does remind everybody you can. And, you know, it's it's one of the very first things that Todd McClellan talked about in his opening press conference when he was hired. He basically said, and I'm paraphrasing, don't ever question the heart of a champion. And he knew from being on the other side of the bench in San Jose. And he and he pointed to that. He said, look, guys like Jonathan Quick, Drew Doughty, Andre Kopitar, Dustin Brown, these guys know what it's what it takes to win. They did it twice. They won a Stanley Cup. Everybody knows the history of what they did in that sort of 2012 to 2014 run. It's They didn't just back into a championship. They have the heart of a champion. And every once in a while, when they go through a bad stretch, they're going to then rebound and they're going to they're going to reach up and sort of surprise you, if you will, uh, and show you that they still have what it takes. And I mean, how many times have I said the demise of Jonathan Quick is greatly exaggerated? For some reason, I think that Quickie thinks that perhaps I was asking it in a derogatory way. And, and, and in fact, it was anything but that. It was actually the opposite. But uh, look, that's what you get, Jonathan Quick. You just you you, uh, you have to roll with it. And there was no reason for a follow up question. He wasn't in the mood to talk last night. So I'm not going to I'm not going to waste time and uh, ask a follow up question, DB. No, absolutely not. Now, and you mentioned guys who are bouncing back. And as we sit here today, Justin Brown, seven goals, leading goal scorer on the team. <laughs> yeah, again, I, I had asked Todd about that a couple of days ago, I think, you know, coming into the season, did he think uh, a player, you know, at, in his late 30s, would he be leading this team in, in goals? And he just continues to say all the right things about Dustin Brown. And last night he made reference to the fact uh, that that line continues to be successful, you know, and, and we're going to talk a little bit about the line combinations and the roster composition in the third period today, DB, you know, because fans always want to break that line up, you know, move Brown down the lineup, move via follow off the top line, blah, blah, blah. We've talked about it so many times on this program. Kopitar likes playing with those guys. Uh, he believes that they both serve a role and a function on that line. 
And look, they're producing. So as Todd said last night, they can move Brown up and down the lineup as they've done this year and try him out on other lines. But sooner or later, they always just sort of end up back together again because they are a productive line. Yeah, well, there's ebbs and flows, John. I mean, Brownie's shooting at 24% right now. He, he's not going to finish the season at 24%, but he, he certainly got a great start. And you, Todd said it last night. He's always going to go back to them. So he might shift guys around, but it always winds up that that's the top line. But look, John, and I know Kobe Root threw him, but what a great performance. And he didn't play a ton of minutes last night, but just the energy. He scored the power play goal, but that, that pass to Trevor Moore was just fantastic. Great vision, great speed, and just uh, you know, a kid who's really just gaining confidence with each game. Well, the kid certainly doesn't lack confidence, uh, as you pointed out during the uh, the presser as well. And and you did ask him about the uh, the past Trevor Moore. I love uh, I love Jod too. By the way, he'll tell you that that line didn't play their best hockey last night. It's like, come on, man. I mean, there's being humble, and then there's sort of you know taking it to a level of ridiculousness. That line is very effective. You know what's so funny about that line to me though, DB? And I was commenting earlier today uh, to to a scout that I was talking to. That line, the minutes. If you look at the sheet. The minutes don't support this next statement, but when you're watching the game, it seems like every other shift they're back out there again. They're just influenced because you notice them, John. That's why because they they're doing something. They're either influencing the game offensively or you know breaking up passes, defending well. So I I think they can influence when they get out there, and it just means that look at some point in time. And I just taught about this about you know when you get when that line and the, the bottom six guys are effective. Kopitar plays in less than 20 minutes. When all the guys on the on the defense are doing well, all three pairs, Drew Doughty's playing 24 minutes. And it's not a goal, but it's a byproduct of that. And I think that's what you see with respect to that team because their influence is on the ice right now because they, they've forged some chemistry and they can influence play when they're on the ice. Yeah, Todd's answer last night, it was one of those moments where you kind of go, hmm, while it might be technically accurate that it wasn't a goal and it's more of a byproduct, I think at some point it does have to be a goal uh, for this team to reduce some of the minutes. Taking one minute away per night from some of these guys can actually make a huge difference when they're, you know, on the other side of 30. That's just reality. That's just, you know, uh, father time uh, that, that, that's ticking away there. That It's it's not a, it's not a, a negative comment towards those players. What about the line of uh, Kempe, Velarde, and Carter and what you thought? DB, we haven't talked about this at all. We didn't um, compare notes last night, but I thought that Gabe Velarde was highly effective last night. Even though it didn't show up on the score sheet, I thought he was doing everything that was needed of him last night uh, in the game. He really facilitated well on the power play, on the second unit power play, really well. I like the way he was looking for for Carter and and looking for Kempe. Uh, I just don't, to me, he... He can't be a, a 15 and 50 guy in this league. Like, mm-hmm. I, I just want this guy at five on five to shoot more. Mm-hmm. And I know he's probably deferring because he's got a great shooter like um, Carter on his right side. I just wish, and yes, it was a better game for them. I think they're just getting more chemistry playing together. I just want Gabe to be more aggressive to find a shot because when he lets it go, John, there's few goalies that can stop it in this league. Mm-hmm. I remember that one goal he scored against Colorado. I mean, he's got a wicked shot. I just wish he'd just be a little bit more aggressive, but he is making strides. He won a lot of faceoffs last night. He was in the right position to facilitate to his wingers, and that's what you want from this player who's still in his infancy in the NHL. Yeah, he'll he'll get there. We're 14 games into the season. He'll get there. I've noticed a different Velarde over the last, call it two to three games, versus the three to five mm-hmm. games earlier this season. The confidence just uh, seems to be at a much different level compared to the first couple of games this season yeah and, and they gave him a day off there you know he was an optional i think on monday practice oh, he didn't skate so maybe oh, yeah. he just needed a break you know off the s physically and mentally and he came back refreshed last night and played well 
Yeah. Those maintenance days, uh, they cause havoc for the media, DB. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> Where's so-and-so? Where's so-and-so? Um, that fourth line, Matt Luff, we've talked about it before on this program. Um, we would like, you you and I both, we would like for him to succeed. Uh, he's somebody who brings a unique skill set to that bottom six group, has that that big, wicked shot. Um, he has a, a bigger frame, and, and he's not afraid to get in there and sort of mix it up. Uh, he had two great chances last night yeah. that he could have scored on, and and you just, you really hope, like, oh, man, can you, can please, one of them just go in to help build his confidence? Because while he's trying to put on a game face right now and, and have a sort of a positive approach to it, the reality is, look, he knows what's going on, and he hears the yeah. footsteps of the guys coming up behind him and trying to uh, nip at his heels and take his job. Yeah, it's now time for Matt. He knows it. He realizes it. But he's just staying on, doing all the right things. He had a really nice game last night. A uh, lot of speed and size on that wing, so uh, he had opportunities just couldn't finish him. But him, Wagner, and Lee Anderson played well. Look, the, all four lines played well last night, and that's why you saw the distribution of minutes because Todd trusted the bottom nine guys to go out there and play and protect the lead. And so it's, it's, that's what you want. And it's, it's a couple of times this season, they've been able to do it. Not every game, but last night is a situation where all four lines were clicking. All three pairs were defending well. And that's what you got. You got a nice victory against Minnesota. Well, and DB, speaking of the defense, last night we continue to see Tobias Bjornfoot in there playing on the left side on the second pair, and uh, he he just really looks uh, like a natural, and you saw him out there at one point with Drew Doughty, I think, during the penalty kill, which of course had to make Drew happy. Uh, and it worked well last night, but John, you could answer this question for me. If you traded for Olimata to play with Drew Doughty, and now he's playing with Austin Strand, I'd rather see Kale Clegg in there and give him the light of the end of third period than Austin, than Ali Mata. I get, I get he's a veteran. You expect better from him. I guess he's playing better. But for me, I'd much rather see Kale Clegg out there than Ali Mata if he's going to be on the third line. Okay, third so let's, let's put a pin in that, though, because you have okay, some right. roster sort of manipulation that needs to take yeah. place. It, it, it could have. There was one way to make that happen last night um, because I've said a, a, a few times on Twitter, look, they didn't have a roster spot to give, but I, I'll, I'll give you a, yeah. a more definitive answer. But let's save that for the third period. Uh, sure. Any Anything else uh, defensively? I thought, I mean, that play by Mikey Anderson down at the goal line to be able to save a goal. Mikey's confidence seems to have come back. I think it's just natural for a young player, right? Uh, there's all these expectations on Mikey Anderson because he is on the top pair with Drew Doughty, but he, you still have to remember that you're talking about a player with less than 50 games of NHL experience, so there are going to be nights where he makes a couple of mistakes, and, and you know, they're, they're on a big stage when he's playing on the top pair, but overall, Mikey's playing pretty well. Yeah, I, I think that he learned a lot of hard lessons in the Vegas series mm-hmm. because of their speed off the wing and their size. But you make adjustments, right? He's not the biggest kid in the world, but he's smart. He's cerebral. So he can make adjustments and understand what's coming at him and and just get better. So, yeah, again, this is a kid who's played less what, than, what, 20 games in the NHL or so. But, yeah, I think he learned a lot of lessons in the Vegas series, and it showed up last night against Minnesota. All right, so DB, one of the things we didn't talk about at the top of the program that we normally do is the studio that we are recording the episode in today. So let me just take a quick moment and mention here that we're coming to you live today from the Brad Richardson Studios. Now, DB, this is a name that I know you know because we've been in the locker room covering Richie together. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And we did a a photo shoot for TFP Magazine with uh, Jared Stolen. Richie was there uh, at Jared's house. Really good guy. And he's, he's carved out a nice long career in this league. 
He has played over 800 games, Dennis, which is That's just mind-boggling. Um, also, it's not fair because he uh, he likes the San Francisco Giants, if I remember correctly. So that's that's just a that's a party foul right there. That's a non-starter. That's three for, strikes against him. <laughs> that's a non-starter for sure. But yeah, you're talking about a guy in, in Brad Richardson. Um, he played in the Ontario Hockey League. He played uh, with the Owen Sound Attack, but he was taken in the fifth round, DB. And there just aren't a lot of fifth rounders that can carve out a career like this. Of course, he started with the Colorado Avalanche. We remember him here in Los Angeles for that sort of three or four year run that he had with the LA Kings. Um, and then actually a little bit longer than that, uh, probably more like five years. And then he, he had a brief stop in Vancouver for a couple of years. And then he played uh, really a, a long time with the Arizona uh, Coyotes before eventually um, heading over to the Nashville Predators. And so I know people are going to say, well, why, what, what's the connection here? Well, the connection is the Kings are getting ready to go out on a road trip. And when I think about the Kings and the Coyotes, I mean, I think about the 2012 playoffs. We covered that during the Shane Doan time period. Uh, and I also do think about Brad Richardson because he was such a fixture here in Los Angeles. He was that utility knife, uh, much like a Trevor Lewis. You could play him at center. You could play him at wing. He could play up and down your lineup. And here's a guy now who's played over 800 games in the, in the national hockey league and doesn't show any signs of slowing down anytime soon. You know, I think it's amazing that a guy like Brad can go around to all these different franchises and find a position, fit in with all different types of players, all different types of styles and, and offenses and defenses. So I think it's a credit to him that he can just assimilate into various different franchises and, and carve out a role for him. Not only that, DB, it was just two years ago when he had um, the best offensive year of, uh, of his yeah. career. He put up 19 goals in 66 games with the Coyotes back in 2018-19. So just two seasons ago, he was damn near a 20-goal scorer. Yeah, that's amazing. And a good guy, too. So, so I'm glad to see Brad. And look, who knows? He could just keep on chugging along and get to with. Imagine if Brad gets to a thousand games. That would be something else. He's 36 years old right now. Uh, he just he just turned 36 really? a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, he had a, has an early February birthday. So he just turned 36 a couple of weeks ago. Could he do it? You know, we hear whether it's Dustin Brown or so many of these players that are on the other side of 30 on the other side of 35 talking about, you know, Last season being canceled and being off the ice for six, eight, ten months, it is going to extend their careers. There very much is a possibility that a guy like Brad Richardson could play a thousand games in the NHL. That would be fantastic. That would be like the most unsung one thousand game player I think there would ever be in this league. Well, I, I hope it happens, uh, and when it does, I hope it happens uh, against the game or game, I should say, against the Kings, so that uh, we, we could be there and congratulate Richie because, like you said, he's uh, truly one of the good guys in a league full of good guys. He is one of those guys who's always smiling and uh, uh, you know just always in a good mood and very happy to deal with. So, DB, uh, waiting for us on the other side here of the second period, we have Craig Morgan from AZ Coyotes Insider. He's going to come in and tell us all the about the Arizona Coyotes. The Before we get to him, though, DB, let's just give some quick attention to Manscaped. They, of course, uh, are big supporters here of Kings of the Podcast, and so we like to support them in return. And, fellas, right now we're in the thick of winter. Just uh, take a look at what's going on across the country. A storm is a brewing for sure, and it's time to start to trim things back. And that's where our partners over at Manscaped can help you out. They specialize in products that will make sure that you're walking around town as fresh as possible. Manscaped is here to provide you with the tools that you need for your grooming experience. They offer precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. And, DB, we know because we've been talking talking about it for uh, several months here on the program. They're uh, lawnmower 3.0. This thing was completely redesigned. It has the ceramic blades, a skin safe technology. And uh, Dennis, it has one of your favorite features out of all the products that they have in their suite. The LED light, John. <laughs> has the patent, has it come through yet? Have you received a, a plaque to put on your wall? No, not yet. No, maybe not sure. Patent trademark. We're not sure which 
you know, I'm talking to my people, okay. my attorneys. I'm not sure which route we're going to go, but okay. uh, not yet, John. All right. So the Lawnmower 3.0, they also have the Weed Whacker. We talked about that on the last program. Get rid of those annoying ear and nose hairs. Come on, guys. Look nice for your ladies out there, would you? Uh, they do have the boxer briefs. They have the anti-chafing boxer briefs. They have a nice travel bag. They have all sorts of good stuff. You have the Crop Reviver Ball Toner. You have the Crop Preserver Deodorant. You have some uh, fantastic products, and including things to uh, trim up your nails and keep your hands and feet looking nice. But look, uh, don't be left out in the cold this winter, guys. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code K-O-T-P-N-E-W. That's easy to remember. Use K-O-T-P-N-E-W at manscaped.com. You can get 20% off and free shipping. And you probably have heard us talk about this a dozen or so times here in the last couple of months. And maybe you were hesitant to click on. Don't be. Head over to manscaped.com. Click around. Take a look at their products. And if you find something that you like, use the code K-O-T-P-N-E-W. Save 20% and get free shipping thanks to our friends over at manscaped we certainly appreciate uh, their support here on kings of the podcast dennis on the other side of the break we have craig morgan from az coyotes insider and we will talk all things going on in the desert right after this Welcome back, second period. And uh, DB, we're excited to bring in our next guest, Craig Morgan from AZ Coyotes Insider is going to join us. We've done a couple of these where we look at the opponents rather than just looking at the LA Kings, and, and the uh, listeners have enjoyed that. So, Craig, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. This is going to be all Coyotes, which is going to be a little bit different. The show, of course, is called Kings of the Podcast, but uh, we do enough talk about the LA Kings. And there's really nothing going on with the Coyotes these days, right? <laughs> yeah, it's... It's very quiet right now. Why don't we just sort of uh, give everybody here in Southern California and all of our listeners just a little bit of background uh, because you have sort of a unique uh, backstory. And, and of course, the, the journalism landscape is changing a lot over the last couple of years. And you're on your own. You, you've set something up and you've attracted a lot of viewers. And just tell everybody a little bit about uh, what's brought you sort of to this place right now with AZ Coyotes Insider. Yeah, I was writing for The Athletic uh, for the last couple of seasons, but when the pandemic hit, they had, I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with this story now, they had a lot of layoffs, and I was one of those. Uh, Arizona has always been sort of a tough sports media market, um, really, for to cover any sport. Uh, it's been tough to get readership for a variety of reasons. One, that the teams haven't done that well, uh, and two, that we have a lot of transplants, so they, they tend to root for uh, their old teams still. So it has made it a challenging landscape, and, and uh, that's part of the reason I think that's uh, – with the, with the pandemic coming in, uh, the Athletic decided to make a, a bunch of layoffs here at the Athletic Arizona. So at the time, I, I had covered the Coyotes. I've covered the Coyotes for a very long time. I don't even want to tell. I'll teach myself by saying so. But it was sort of a last ditch. I, I looked at the media landscape locally, and there, there weren't a lot of great options. And a friend suggested to me that I try my own Substack uh, newsletter slash website. So I figured I'd give it a go. And to be honest, uh, the returns have been Far more than I ever could have imagined. I have a lot. Yeah, as you mentioned, I've, I've, I've garnered a lot of subscribers. It's a subscription-based model, and I have a lot of people who follow me now, so it's, it's made it a, a very viable option for me, and I'm really enjoying it thus far. 
Well, that's great. That's awesome for you. Uh, congratulations. Uh, obviously, uh, a lot of people are interested in that. And, and, you know, you are the the voice. You are the authority in the marketplace when it comes to the Arizona Coyotes. And that's one of the, the key reasons that we wanted to have you on today. Let's start with something that's kind of really positive uh, surrounding, at least I think it is, uh, surrounding the Arizona Coyotes. We had Shane Doan on the program, uh, well, I was going to say a couple months ago. <laughs> in this new world, time is kind of irrelevant, but it's probably only been <laughs> two weeks. Um, but a while back, we had Shane Doan on the program, and, and we were talking about him rejoining the organization and sort of trying to define his role. And uh, I would have to imagine that any time you can bring back Shane Doan, the longtime face of the franchise, and get him involved again, that has to be a positive for the organization. No question about it. He is not only the face of this franchise still, he is truly a Valley icon. And, and that's saying something in a market where hockey was not, you know, a, a traditional sport. The team has only been here since 96, but he is one of the most recognizable sports figures in this market. Um, there were a lot of people. I think I reached out to 14 different sources when I wrote the story about his return. And I think 10 or 12 of those people, probably the first thing they told me was, it's about time. There were a number of people who couldn't understand why it took so long to get Shane Doan back in the organization. But after a three-year hiatus, he's in this sort of hybrid role between hockey operations and being a, a community and business asset. I think it, it suits him well. This really was the role that he envisioned. They were able to work something out. And I think he's going to help them in so many ways. Just simply having Shane Doan in the room when you go in various meetings is going to have an impact because people know him, people respect him. Let's talk about the on-ice product a little bit. Spoke with you a couple of weeks back on my Sirius XM show. Connor Garland getting a lot of love here. So just what did, what do the Kings fans expect when they see Connor in this set of games here coming up? Well, I would expect an electric player who never stops moving his feet. Um, he's such a, a great story for a variety of reasons. He was obviously a lower-round pick. Um, there were a lot of people that thought when he first came into the system that there was no way he's going to make it to the NHL. And, and really the way that he was playing on the perimeter, trying to be just a, a creator and score goals from the outside, uh, they told him, Steve Sullivan, uh, Steve Potvin, the guys that, that tutored him down in Tucson told him that style wasn't going to work in the NHL. So when Connor finally got his call up, he just started going to the net. And he had worked on that, obviously, with the Roadrunners for a while. He became a player who, who despite his height, which is about 5'8", really, because I, I stand eye-to-eye with him, and I am at eight, so I can tell you that. Um, he started going to the net a lot and scoring a bunch of goals, and, and he really took, I think, the team by surprise last season with the success he had. But the, the great thing about Connor is every time he goes into an offseason, you, know, you can talk to players about what they're going to work on in the offseason, and every player will tell you, yeah, I got a bunch of things I'm going to work on my entire game. Connor will zero in on two or three aspects and give you unbelievable detail on what he is working on. And this summer he told me, you know, he wanted to get back to being a little bit more of a distributor like he was in juniors while still scoring goals. He worked on his skating so incessantly. It's, it's amazing to watch. He worked with a figure skating coach, actually. And that, that is, uh, you, can, you can see that in his ability to change directions so quickly and so often. You watch him in the corners and it's just, it's really hard for a defenseman to get a lick on him because he can change directions five times in five seconds. So that's been a big part. But then the other thing that he, he talked about with Rick Cockett this offseason was being more responsible away from the puck so that he could get more minutes and Cockett trust him out there in those key moments in the game. He's done that as well. He is driving that line right now. And I don't think it's a stretch. I don't think anybody w- would argue with uh, this other than possibly Darcy Kemper in saying that Connor Garland is the best player on the Coyotes right now. 
Rick, I'm sure the Coyotes would be relieved to play a team other than the Blues. Um, <laughs> so just you know, I'll come out of that seven game series, which I know you've commented on. You, you love that. You thought it was great, but you've looked, you've seen most, if not all, of the West. Like, where do you think the Coyotes sit with respect to the hierarchy of this uh, division? Well, I think they fit right where I suspected they fit at the start of the season. Look, I think they're, in spite of the fact that they, they ended up winning that seven-game series with the Blues, I do think the Blues are built for the playoffs. I still think they're an elite team. When they get uh, Vladimir Tarasenko back, that they'll be even better, even though they, they lost Alex Pietrangelo from the offseason. Um, I still think they're an elite team. So I think there are three elite teams at the top of this division in Vegas, Colorado, and St. Louis, maybe a notch below them. Uh, I think the three California teams are still in rebuild mode. I, I don't think that's a secret. I think they've all been pretty clear about that. So the Coyotes are in that middle pack with Minnesota. I really think that they have a chance at a playoff spot. They, I mean, they, they've got to be dead at the wild, obviously. But I think that's where things shake out. And, and thus far, watching this season, that is sort of how it's played out. Clayton Keller, uh, you're, you're talking about a guy on a team, I mean, him and OEL at the, at the top of the cap, uh, you, you know, spending, if you will, uh, $7 million, 22 years old. Is he going to be able to live up to everything in terms of the hype that was placed on him over the last, say, 18 to 24 months? He's got a long way to go to do that. Uh, there have been some really good signs lately, but when, when people talk about the, the contracts that John Scheich assigned uh, young players to the long-term contracts, that's the one they point to the most. That's the, the most questionable of the contract. Look, he's playing with Nick Schmaltz and, and Connor Garland right now, so he's benefiting from playing alongside of those two players because, as I mentioned, Garland's been their best forward this season without question, maybe their best player. And Nick Schmaltz has actually played really well this season too. So Clayton Keller's benefiting from playing with them. The last few games, though, we've seen some things from, from Keller that have been signs of hope. You know, he, he's going to the areas where he needs to go. He's not overthinking plays in the offensive zone. He's looking to make that extra play. He's being a little more direct, and that's what Rick Tockett wants to see from him. But again, that's a big contract to live up to. And, and uh, as I said, he's got a long way to go to learn it. What's it like to cover Rick Tockett? Um, is he a player's coach? Is he easy to talk to? Um, just your general observations about how the team's performed uh, under Rick and then also just dealing with him day to day. Uh, yes, he's a player's coach. He's a guy who, you know, he was an assistant in Pittsburgh for a while and, and famously uh, earned a, a reputation. I see Phil Kessel whisper, uh, uh, not working so well right now for the Coyotes, but he earned a reputation as a guy that the players could relate to. Obviously, he played the game, the type of teammate that, that other teammates love. Um, he's also fantastic to deal with with, with the media. He's, he's so candid. He, he, just, he can't help himself. He, he can't hide stuff. He will tell you exactly what he's thinking. It's interesting, after games sometimes, he's so emotional that his it's almost like his mind is racing too fast to keep up with his mouth. Um, because, like I said, it's always racing, but it's especially after games, he's got so much running through his head. But he's been fantastic to deal with uh, from a media standpoint as well. And when you look at the performance of the team over the four seasons that he's been with, with the Coyotes, they've improved every year. I mean, when he first came in, I think everybody remembers that first month where they didn't win a game. They were just, they were out of the playoff race and they were abysmal. But they've taken incremental steps, maybe not, you know, to contender status, but they've gotten better each year. They made the playoffs last year. And, and so far this year, when you look at their performance, you know, you say, okay, they're seven, six, and two. That's not a great record. But 75% of their games have come against the Blues or Vegas. So the schedule is unbalanced right now and they performed well in light of that. 
Well, if you can be above 500 against those teams, you're doing okay for right now. Uh, look, on the uh, on the third line, at least on paper, back to the Shane Doan thing, I guess, when I see Phil Kessel sitting out there on the right wing on the third line, it sort of reminds me of Shane Doan uh, towards the end of his run there who was having some success as a, a veteran player on the third line. Is that is that kind of where Phil is at this point? Well, I, I mean, Shane had that, what, 28 or 29 goal season in the second to last year, so he, he was having scoring success. Phil's not having that. I, I got to be honest with you guys right now. Uh, Phil's dragging down whatever line he's playing on. He, he's not having a lot of success. And, you know, I know he scored those four goals early in the season and it looked like maybe he was turning the corner. He had, he had uh, uh, undertaken a different training program this offseason, but, but lately he's just he's not doing anything. And, and like I said, he's been a drag on whatever line he's been on. I'm really curious to see how they use Phil Kessel going forward. Is it going to get to the point where they say, in spite of your Ironman streak, you need to come out of the lineup because you're not helping the team. In fact, you're hurting wow. the team. Wow. If you were Bill Armstrong, Craig, how concerned are you that the possibility of burning out Darcy Kemper because Auntie Ronta just can't stay healthy? I'm definitely concerned about it. Uh, Auntie Ronta needs to play more games than he has played. Uh, he, he was okay in his last performance. I thought some people blamed him for goals that weren't his fault, but yeah, he, he's been an elite goaltender when he's been healthy and been in there. I think the numbers back that up for Antti Ranta, but he has not been able to stay healthy any of his seasons here. It, it's close to the point where they have to think, okay, if, if, you, if, we, if we deal with this again, do we need to turn to Aiden Hill? Do we need to play another guy? Because they just can't keep trotting Darcy Kemper out there, especially when you look at the, the condensed schedule, the, the crazy season that uh, you know COVID has brought us. That everything is so condensed. They're back to back. They're three and four. You can't just keep starting Darcy Kemper out there and expect him to be fresh. Craig, just to follow up, Aiden would be a legitimate backup. He's played about what a dozen, thirteen games the last couple of seasons, and he's done okay. Would he be a viable option there if Ronda just can't stay healthy? Yeah, I I think so. Look, I I, I don't think that they think Aiden Hills is as good a goaltender as Andre Rocha right now. I, I don't think most people right. do. And when you look at the numbers, and you understand that, uh, but Aiden Hill doesn't have the experience that Auntie Ranta does either. So maybe that's a matter of development. But yeah, I mean, at some point you have to decide what's more important here. Do, do we run Darcy Kemper into the ground and then and maybe not have him as fresh or as strong down the stretch when you really are going to need him the most, uh, you know, toward the end of the season and, and maybe in the playoffs? Defensively, Jason Demers had some success earlier in his career. You know, now he's getting up into that veteran sort of status. How's the partnership there between him and OEL? Well, it's better than the partnership with Ilya Labushkin, which did not go well the other night. But they do seem to have a bit of a chem- chemistry. I- I'm not sure that uh, the coaching staff would tell you either player has played particularly well recently. I thought OEL was much better in this last game, the 1-0 win, than he was in the, the overtime loss uh, two-, two days earlier when I think he was on the ice for four goals against. Um, they, uh, they're they just not getting enough from their blue line offensively or on the breakout. There, there are a number of reasons for that. Jacob Schicklin has obviously been terrific this season, and that's great to see because he's a part of that young core. But when you, when you look at the way that they're constructed, they've got a bunch of veterans. They don't have enough right-handed defensemen, and that slows their breakout in, in the defensive zone. That's, that's a big factor, and Christophe would like to see that remedy. But beyond that, you, you look at guys like Jason Demers and and OEL and Alex Golagoski, they're not getting enough offense from those guys. They, they've tried to activate the weak side D. They want those guys to join the rush, but it just hasn't been happening consistently. If I had to look at their defensive core right now, 
Pat Jacob Sipper and the guy who's probably played the best is Jordan Osterley, and that's a guy who will also be an unrestricted free agent. I'm guessing that they're going to try and re-sign him. As far as those other veterans that are going to be free agents, Goligoski, Demers, and Nicholas Tomlinson, I don't expect any of those guys to be back next season. Craig, yeah, the Goligoski thing is kind of stunning, right? I mean, he's usually good for about 30 to 35 points a game. He's got 1.1 assists in 15 games. Do you see anything else going on with that player? Well, I, in Alex's defense, first of all, he, he's gotten much older, so that's a factor. But mm-hmm. Alex has had to play a lot of hard minutes. And Rick Tucker was saying it the other day. We just throw him out in the worst situations imaginable. Defensive zone face-offs. You know, he's, he's playing against top talent. He's in, a, he's in a situation where you're probably not going to produce as much offense because of the role he's in, but I still think they'd like to get a little more from him. One of the ways to do that, though, is, is to cut his minutes down a little bit. I do think they were having to overuse it because OEL was out of the lineup for 10 games with that injury, and they, it, that really took a toll on, I think, their entire blue line core. Last time we talked, Craig, uh, I asked about uh, Barrett Hayden, who uh, was a controversial pick, the fifth overall when they made the pick. Um, you're not that impressed. What does Barrett need to do to get value for the pick that they made? Uh, he, he's got to do a lot more, to be honest. He, I, I see mistakes on the ice, and and we're just not seeing enough chances. You know, He's not generating enough offense right now, and, and that's okay to me. I, look, I know he was the fifth overall pick, and there are these crazy expectations placed on draft picks. To me, when I watch Barrett Hayden, I think he needs a year in the AHL. I just don't think he's ready to be an NHL player yet, and that's okay. Again, guys develop at different paces. I, I think that they would be best served sending him down and letting him play lots of minutes in all situations away from the pressure cooker of the NHL. I think he should go down to Tucson. And, and to be honest, I'm writing about him tomorrow, and I suspect that they're going to make the decision on him within the next week or two. There's a lot of chatter going on about the Coyotes right now. Uh, you, you wrote about some of it earlier today. Just it, it seems like there's always some noise going on around this team, unfortunately, beyond just what they're doing on the ice. It's hard enough to win in the NHL without having – you know, all of the other chatter that takes place. Just what's some of, what, are, what would be some of your uh, reaction to some of the stuff that's going on right now? Well, it's, it's, it's as you said, you know, I, you're, you're referencing the story that Katie Strang wrote for The Athletic. And look, Katie Strang is a terrific investigative reporter. I worked with her for a couple of years, and, and I worked with her on a couple of projects. I know her talent level. So I, I know that how rigorous her work is when she has to do it. Um, I, I just, yeah, the, the bigger picture for me, you know, a lot of this stuff that was reported in there, we already knew. I had reported it myself. There were some new allegations that if they proved true are troubling, but overall, I just I just wonder again. Uh, first of all, you know, it, it, it's the off ice stuff that is the focus for the Coyotes once again, and it's been this way for the past twelve years. It's, it's just crazy how they always seem to have these sorts of controversies that overshadow whatever is happening on the ice. But then the, the other thing I wonder is, can they move past this? Can this ownership group? Can this you know this management group? Can they move past these? you know, whatever mistakes they've made and whatever allegations and and actually accomplish their goal, of their stated goal of building a model franchise. Uh, it's, it's a troubling story, clearly. And if, if some of those other allegations, as I said, prove true, it's even more troubling. Uh, so uh, once again, the Coyotes are dealing with off-ice issues. Yeah. Back to, to on-ice, you, you made reference a few times to the Tucson Roadrunners, of course, their AHL affiliate. And I'm curious about a player in Hudson Fashing. This is a guy who was drafted by the LA Kings, traded away, and then eventually ends up getting traded to the Coyotes. You know, he's now 25. Is there a time and a place where Hudson Fashing is going to be a legitimate NHL player and earn a spot on the roster? I just, I don't see that for Hudson Fashing. I, I see him as a guy who will 
sort of sort of shuttle between the AHL and the NHL. He's a guy who can fill in, play a few games for you here and there, but I, I just don't see NHL regular potential in his game right now. Yeah, and it certainly is unfortunate. He had a, a strong run there with Team USA. I mean, he's, he's a decently sized guy, 6'2", 210, I believe, and uh, had some offensive talent. But again, we, we see this a lot. Uh, you know, guys that have talent at the junior or collegiate level, and then it just becomes infinitely harder when you get to the American League and or to the NHL. So uh, not that surprising, I guess. Craig, an outstanding uh, venture here into Kings of the Podcast for the first time. We certainly appreciate it. These next two games are going to be interesting. And as you said, uh, if the Coyotes are serious, about making a playoff run as the Kings are, then uh, these next two games can certainly have a, a, some pretty uh, significant impact on the, the standings in the West Division. We appreciate you coming in here today and sharing some thoughts with us. Of course, guys. Thanks again for having me. Be sure to check him out. AZ Coyotes insider Craig Morgan. We'll be right back after the break and talk more about the LA Kings and their upcoming road trip. I'm the dreams you have walking down railroad tracks you and Welcome back to the third period of Kings of the Podcast with DB and the Mayor. Play the kids, play the kids, play the kids. Welcome back, third period. And uh, Dennis Bernstein, that was a deep dive on the Coyotes and what's going on in the desert. Any any reaction there to what Craig had to say? Well, Craig is the best in that market. They're an interesting team, John. It's funny, there's always turmoil, but this is an interesting team. they got some really quality players. Connor Garland's blown up around the league. So, look, John, here's the deal, and we'll talk about this in, in the third period. Like, these next six games, just crucial. We'll find out what this team's about in the next six. But, yeah, I'm excited to see how they play – an Arizona, a different type of Arizona team that they really haven't faced that type of team this season yet. So it's going to be a nice challenge for the Kings when they go to the desert. So as we look ahead to this road trip, road trip and roster are kind of going to be linked together uh, because the Kings have some interesting roster decisions that are coming up. We talked about it sort of in general um, on the last episode when we had Eric Belanger on in the third period of that program. We talked about the roster and some of the decisions. Earlier today on mayorsmanner.com, I posted an article that tried to break things down. So the first thing I wanted to do here, TB, is I wanted to remind everybody that there are two words that are uh, sort of unique and that should not be interchanged, and that's roster and lineup. Roster refers to the 23-man roster. There's 23 players up to. You can have 20, you can have 21, 22, but there's a 23-player maximum in the NHL. And then there's the lineup. The lineup consists of just 20 players taken from the 23. Now, while it might seem simple, if you just read some of the replies to uh, to our tweets, you will see that people try to use those two words interchangeably, and really they are not. So there is a 23 roster, uh, player roster limit, and Dennis, on top of that, you have the taxi squad. Now, there are some sort of detailed or technical rules related to the taxi squad, but I'm going to try to make this as easy as possible for people because really the taxi squad should just be thought of as another AHL team. So it's very confusing to a lot of people for some reason, but the taxi squad is like a little mini tiny, small AHL team that follows the LA Kings around. So the Ontario rain are a separate entity and the taxi squad is like a little mini AHL team that just follows the LA Kings. The difference is the players on the taxi squad, they don't count towards the salary cap. The salary cap is only specific to the 23 players on the NHL roster. 
And uh, so there's nothing to worry about salary cap wise. The only thing you really have to worry about with the taxi squad DB would be waivers. So players, when you assign them to the taxi squad, all the normal waiver rules apply. So for example, you can't stash Alex Iafalo on the taxi squad, right? You Just like you couldn't send Alex Iafalo to the AHL. He's an NHL player, so in order to send him to the American League, you would have to put him on waivers. It's no different. If you want to put somebody on the taxi squad, you have to send them through waivers if they're if they're that type of a player like I follow. What gets people really sort of confused is that every day right now, Dennis, the Kings are taking players and shuttling them around, and it becomes very confusing. Well, wait a minute. Why is that player on the taxi squad? Why is he on the AHL roster? Why is he on the NHL roster? It has to do with the fact that the Kings right now aren't just managing a 23-player roster. They're also managing a taxi squad that has to have a minimum of four players, four. Yep. right? Maximum of six, but minimum of four. And as the Kings go out on the road, they are going to take a fifth player with them, but that's a different story. Don't worry about that. Right now, just focus on these, on these four. So I'm going to run down real quickly. At the end of Tuesday night, the Kings had 23 players on the roster, but the issues are really the other players, right? So there were 23 players on the roster. You had Ayafalo, Kopitar, Brown, Kempe, Velarde, Carter, Moore, Jod, Grundstrom, Wagner, Anderson, Luff. Those were your 12 forwards, and your two scratches were Amadio and Ferk. So there's 14 forwards. You had Anderson, Dowdy, Bjornfoot, Roy, Mata, Strand, and McDermott as your seven defensemen, and then you had Quick and Peterson. If you add those numbers up, that's 23 players. There are several other players, though, that we should talk about. You have Sean Walker, who's on long-term injured reserve. Um, more on that in a minute. And then the taxi squad last night was four players. It was Drake Rimshaw, Boko, Kale Clegg, and Grosnick. And you have to have a goaltender, basically, on your taxi squad if you don't carry three goalies on your NHL roster, which the Kings don't. So, basically, it's three players plus a goalie. So, Troy Grosnick is the goaltender. They needed three players. They put those three players on there. Then, this morning... They sent Kale Clegg, Boko, and Rimshaw down to the American League because uh, Clegg is going to play tonight. And then when they did that, they needed to take three players off of the roster. And so they took three players that didn't need waivers. Um, and the only players really that they could pick from would have been Jod, uh, Leas Anderson, and Bjornfoot, I believe, uh, or and Strand, excuse me. They needed to take three of those four players and put them onto the taxi squad, which they did. This is where things get interesting, Dennis. Earlier in the first period, you asked, well, why didn't they play Kale Clegg last night? Well, they had 23 players on the roster. Technically, they didn't have a roster spot to put Clegg into the lineup. Now, they, they could have created one, though, because Martin Furk is injured right now. Right. They could have put him on IR, uh, and then that would have created an extra roster spot for the evening. They could have put Clegg onto that roster spot and that could have been their 23 man roster. And they would have, in essence, at that point, they would have only had one healthy forward to scratch. That would have been Amadio. And instead of having just one defenseman to scratch in McDermott, to your point, they would have scratched Mata and McDermott and then they would have played uh, Clegg. That was an option. Certainly was an option. Um, as I put in the article, though, that wasn't really what the plan was at the beginning of the year. They wanted to rotate Bjornfoot and Clegg and they felt that they had given Clegg his, you know, whatever, six, eight, ten games. And now it was time for Bjornfoot to get a, a string of games together. And at the same time, they wanted 
rightly or wrongly, they wanted some more experience in the lineup, and that's what Mata is offering them uh, at this particular moment compared to Clegg. And it gives it gives Mata a chance to maybe work his way out of whatever funk he's uh, he's been in here to start with start the season. So that's that's part of it. Is that okay so far? Yeah, Shea Bow Wow for for Mata. But and the reason why fans that were were going over this is that this is a constant conversation. These transactions are going to happen every day till the end of the season. Yes. So that's why John's giving you a refresher, a course on on what this means with respect to rosters and waivers. Yeah, absolutely, DB. Thank you for that. You're right. Um, so the, where sort of the rubber meets the road in all of this would be the three players that are sitting outside the roster right now. And I'm not talking about the taxi squad. I'm talking about Sean Walker, who is on long-term injured reserve. And then I'm also talking about uh, Athanasio and Block, uh, Blake, Block, wow, uh, Blake Lazat. Okay, those two players have to be worked back onto the roster. And if you're at 23 right now, with the lineup that I read earlier, in order to get those two players onto the roster, you have to get rid of two players because you can't go over 23. So I gave you one freebie already. Martin Firk can go on injured reserve. That's probably what's going to happen here over the next 24 hours because the expectation is that Blake Lazat is going to play. If not in the first game against Arizona, the expectation is uh, that Lazat is going to play in the second game of the road trip in Arizona. And if that's the case, again, to make room for him, you could put Firk on... Uh, injured reserve, that would free up a spot, and then he gets on to the roster at that point. There are other roster moves that they could make. They could um, send Leas Anderson down. They could send Jod down. There are a number of other moves they could make to create that spot, but you don't need to when you have Ferk sitting there and available to go on to uh, uh, be placed on IR, Dennis. That makes total sense. So what's the next move? Where's the other roster spot? Well, that's that becomes the issue. So at forward, the issue is what do you do when double when A is ready to go then? And at that point, really, you could, back to what I said a moment ago, you could put a player on uh, waivers or you could send a player down. I don't think that Jod is coming out of the lineup anytime soon. He spent his year of apprenticeship in the American League last year, and he certainly looks like the player they want him to be and a solid bottom six player at this point. Um, So you're going to keep Jod in the lineup. That brings you back to Leas Anderson as a potential. When double A is ready to go, what you can do is you can put Anderson on the taxi squad or even send him to the American League because he doesn't need waivers. You can let him play in the American League and, and bide his time for a couple of weeks and get some more minutes because he's been playing bottom six minutes of late. You could you know, put him in a larger role uh, with the Ontario Reign if you wanted to and give him, give him some games. The point, though, is you send Leas Anderson uh, to taxi or to AHL to allow double A to get back onto the roster then things really become interesting when Martin Furk is healthy because now you're basically out of options. Sure, you could send Jod to the American League to make room for Martin Furk, but are you really that interested in protecting all of the players on the roster in order to get Martin Furk onto the roster? You're going to send Jod back to the American League. I just don't see it, Dennis. I think that is the moment in time where there's going to be what I'm going to call the first major roster move, and that's going to be either a player goes on to waivers or gets traded. And you're looking at, in my opinion, you're looking at a player like Michael Amadio, you're looking at Matt Luff, or uh, maybe Austin Wagner. Those would be the three prime candidates in my book. Um, And of those three, 
I think that Michael Amadio is the odd man out. I think Matt Luff brings a skill set in the shot and the things we talked about earlier. And that Wagner with the speed, those two bring something that Amadio doesn't bring. And let's also remember, Michael Amadio has been given the longest runway of all these players. He's now played in over 150 NHL games. Um, he, they know who Mike Amadio is. And while he was a great American league player and while he had a successful junior career, it just, he has not, uh, been able to translate that to the national hockey league and really earn a spot. And they've done everything to give him a look this year. They put him on the power play. They put him on the PK. They put him on the second line with Jeff Carter. They've, they've gone as far as they can go with Mike Amadio in my book, Dennis. Yeah. He's aged out because you have two other players that you mentioned, um, Anderson and Anderson Dolan, who are 21 and 22. He's just aged out. And you're, it's not even about age, John. You're right. Look at the number of games and look where he is at this point in time. And now he's a healthy scratch. So it's not even a debate right now. Like, mm-hmm. Those two players are better than him. So why would you save this roster spot or demote these two players? Look, this is meritocracy at this point. Mm-hmm. He merits being on the bench. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think it's it's a way if, if somebody wants to take him for a low round pick. Great. Awesome. But I think he, he's headed for the waiver war. Mm hmm. Yeah, I I mean, look, if somebody wants to take him, great. And there are, you know, there seems to always be uh, one or two teams that that are interested in, you know, picking up a, a bottom six player. And, and, and Amadio has experience, like we said, in, with 150 games. Um, but I, I just, I mean, I don't know. What, do you, what are you going to get for him? A sixth round draft pick? Man out. Yeah, yeah I, I think teams would just rather try to pick him up on the waiver wire, you know, for free. But, you know, who knows? We'll see. Um, then there's one other option, or not option, excuse me, but there's one other issue to resolve, and that's going to be when Sean Walker uh, is able to return. And he's been back at practice recently. He's been wearing a cage and this and that. Uh, by the way, hats off to, just a little side note, uh, Dennis, hats off to Matt Roy, man. Really tough. Uh, having the third yeah. concussion in his career that's been documented. And um, some really dark days there, you know, when you have a concussion and just trying to this to get back and this, this road to recovery and... Um, he just stepped in the lineup last night. It was like he never missed a game, Dennis. And not only that, John, he came back against the team he got injured. And you know what? So he was facing Kevin Fiala, the guy who hurt him with that check. So I think that's, it's not bravery, but it's just, it just, it's more impactful when you return against a team that uh, you went out against. Yeah, you're right. It certainly is more impactful. And you know what's funny is just be, from from the team being off for several days and doing three days of practice and then with him returning, when Todd had said earlier in the after the morning skate, hey, uh, Matt Roy's going to play tonight, I was like, oh, Matt Roy's going to play tonight. You know, that's great. I wasn't even really thinking about it until the game started. It was like, well, wait a minute. They're playing the Minnesota Wild. <laughs> and yeah, that's the same the same uh, team that, that Roy was injured against. And of course, it came up, um, I'm sure, during the, you know, during the game itself. But uh, so hats off to Matt Roy. It's amazing. But when Sean Walker, back to him, when he gets back into the lineup, Dennis, or when he's available to come back into the lineup, you know, we talked a moment ago um, about trying to find a spot to get Kale Clegg in. They, they have seven defensemen, Anderson, Doughty, Bjornfoot, Roy, Mata, Strand, and Curtis McDermott. And I'm here to tell you, there is not an appetite at this moment for putting Curtis McDermott on waivers, which would be needed. There are only two players out of that seven that you can send to the American League without waivers. That would be Bjornfoot and that would be Strand. Um, McDermott needs waivers. Mata would need waivers. You know, all the others would need waivers, of course. Uh, I, I don't think that there's an appetite in the LA Kings organization at the management table to put Curtis McDermott on waivers at this particular moment. Um, so I believe that Austin Strand is going to end up being the odd man out here, DB, because he's he's a righty. Um, so, you know, Bjornfoot's a lefty. Clegg can play both sides. But down the right side, they're full when Walker's healthy. It's Dowdy Roy Walker. Yeah. That's it. So unless you're going to try to tell me that Austin Strand has stolen Sean Walker's job, and I don't believe he has, uh, you know, kudos to Strand. 
for doing what he's done. And management, Drew Doughty, all of his teammates, they're all talking like they're amazed at how great he is. And, you know, it's some new depth for the LA Kings in terms of the organization. Um, but Walker's going to slide back in there on the third pairing, Dennis. Yeah, he's Strand's a great find at this point in time, right? Undrafted mm-hmm. free agent. And Walker you need because you need him on a second power play. Mm-hmm. Right? Last night, I think it was Roy that was the, uh, the point guy. And he's not an offensive player. So, yeah, you do need Sean Walker. And you're right. It, when Sean Walker comes back, they're full on the right side. So, kudos to Austin Strand. The players seem to love him. A great find. He'll be back. But at this point in time, you have established players on the right side. So, thanks to Austin Strand, he got in his, what, five games. He got a point in the NHL. He'll go back and, and do what he needs to do in Ontario. Well, and, and John Robleski will welcome him with open arms because the defense in Ontario is a little bit oh, of yeah. a little bit of a train wreck right now as they try to settle things out and figure out. Uh, Brickley's been a positive story. Uh, you know, I've talked about that. And uh, Cole Holtz is now back in the lineup. He'll be playing his second game tonight. And uh, they're, they're getting a shot in the arm with Kel Clegg as well. But uh, Robo did not like the combo of uh, Brickley and Dursey the other night. So as he said, he's putting the defensive pairings in a blender. But uh, just sticking back to the LA Kings for a moment, Dennis, that, that's, that's the roster in a nutshell right there. And like you said, yep. every day until this these sort of roster decisions take place, you're going to see guys shuttling between um, the, the the taxi squad and the NHL roster. And it's nothing to get worked up over because they're like we said, they're largely just paper transactions. Um, if you read that article, you'll see who the 23 players are that are currently on the roster and know that there are some key decisions that are coming when Lazat has to get on the roster, when double a has to get back on the roster. And when, uh, when FERC is healthy and needs to get back on the roster and ditto for, uh, for Sean Walker. Yeah. Well, look, the big picture is, Good news, right? There's only two players right now injured status, Walker and Fork, and only two non-roster guys returning from COVID-19, which is Lazat and Anthony CU. So I think that's the good news in the big picture. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that and the fact that some of these young kids who were given an opportunity, um, like Jod, who were given an opportunity to play, they have been performing, Austin Strand as well. So, you know, they let some of these kids into the lineup and they performed well, which is a good positive sign. This will continue to build throughout the season. Dennis, let's wrap up our time today by talking about the three teams the LA Kings are going to face on this road trip. One of the longer, if not the longest road trip, I believe, of the season. They're going to play Arizona first for two games. They're also going to see the St. Louis Blues. That'll be their second visit into St. Louis. They split that series earlier in the year. And then their old buddies, the Minnesota Wild, they're going to get to play two more games against them. Um, we talked about it a little bit during the second period uh, with, with uh, Craig Morgan. Any any thoughts, pregame thoughts or pre-series thoughts, I should say, about the series coming up against Arizona that we haven't covered already? Well, I, I don't think that Arizona is going to jump out to 3 nothing or 4 nothing leagues like Vegas did. So, again, these are going to be grind-out games. They're going to have to be the mentally tougher team, and they're going to have to be physical and they're not going to get a lot of chances. The mindset needs to change from playing a Vegas or a Minnesota. These are going to be ground and pound games, to be honest with you, John. I think they're two, one, three, two games at this point. Yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting in those two games. At, regardless of what happens after that, they are off to uh, to play two games against the St. Louis Blues. And as I said earlier, they split that series in St. Louis earlier. They'll get a second opportunity to uh, to see the Blues. And you talk about a grind it out. The Blues really are. Uh, well, the Coyotes, I should say, are a poor man's version of the Blues. And so the Blue, you're going to go from playing the JV team to playing varsity when you play the St. Louis Blues. Yeah, it's, it's good. Look, John, I said this last night on Twitter. By March 1st, we'll know what this team is about. This is going to be a very, this is probably the biggest test for this team. Going on the road, playing six guys, they're feeling good about themselves. They won two in a row, but now, you know, you're going to step up. This was not Minnesota or 14 days rest. This is not San Jose. These are three legitimate teams. So this is going to be the biggest test of the season so far. 
Yeah, the uh, the NHL schedule makers, they ruined my narrative. We were talking about uh, basically the Kings' playoff chances being known by February 27th, which was, the, was supposed to be the last of the eight games against Minnesota, but it's not working out that way. So um, at the end of this road trip, they are going to play two games. They're back-to-back games as well, Dennis, something we haven't seen a lot of this year, but they're playing back-to-back games on the 26th and 27th against the Minnesota Wild, and um, that is going to have a big impact uh, on the playoff race for sure. Yeah, and they got a two-point win last night, no three-point game. So I think that – and, John, you said it. You said that the the eight games – and that one's been postponed, obviously, due to COVID-19. But the eight games about Minnesota, when you look back at this season or if they get end of the road, you can look back and look at what their record was against this team and say, hey, this could have been the deciding team with respect to a, a postseason position. Well, you know what is also interesting, and this is when we get to the end of this road trip, we're going to be 20 games into the season. And normally when we're 20 games into the season, we feel that we're at about the quarter pole. And in fact, we're going to be closer to the midway point of the season than the quarter pole. And that that is a huge, huge difference compared to the past seasons, considering that uh, almost half the season will be gone, meaning that there's just not a lot left after that. So this team at the end of the six games, they really need to you know, um, fine-tune things. They need to know which players are going to be more comfortable or most comfortable with uh, certain players. They need to have the lines figured out. They need to have the defensive pairings figured out. And uh, Coach McClellan's also going to need to have his goaltending situation figured out. How many games do you think uh, uh, Cal Peterson gets out of these six games? Four. I was going to say 4-2. Yeah, I, I think you absolutely have Quickie getting one of the games, which will be the back-to-back games against Minnesota. Um, but the way he played in that game the other night, I think that warrants a start also in in, uh, in Phoenix. So the question is, I think those are the two games I think he's going to get, one in Arizona and one in Minnesota. Would, yeah. you, would you see it the same way? I would, John. What happens... Let's just talk positive crazy for a second. What happens if he pitches another shutout, back-to-back shutouts, if he gets another shutout in uh, in one of the games against Arizona? Then you have to play him against St. Louis at that point, right? Yeah. Well, then you want to go back to 50-50 rotation. That's fine. And we're talking about 4-2 to two as opposed to 3-3. Three and three. It's one different game. And the guy got a hot hand all of a sudden. Again, he saved them last night. I mean, I know it was a 4 nothing game, but in, in the second and third periods, he made big saves. So, yeah. Nobody's going to squawk if John comes up with another shutout and you say, okay, we're going to go back to alternating goaltenders. Nobody's going to say, because the goaltenders play better. Look, John, the, the reason we have in this conversation is because there's such a discrepancy between the statistics of the two players. Right. But when John comes back, gets a shutout and plays well and plays confident and plays, in, you know, then you can have that. You can reset the, the rotation. And again, Todd hasn't committed to anything. So again, it's just the media. I'm definitely one of them that, uh, that has spurred this conversation. But only because of the discrepancy in the statistics. But if, if we get back to a, a 50-50 split in the net, nobody's going to squawk about it because the other guy is Jonathan Quick, not some unknown goaltender. <laughs> no, not some un- unknown goaltender by any stretch of the imagination. And as Todd told you the other day, Dennis, uh, he's not ready to have that conversation yet. So put a pin in that conversation for now. And I let's... tried a couple of different ways. <laughs> If that were to happen, what kind of conversation would that be? I thought that was a great question the way that you worded it. It's very tricky. Oh, totally. It's very tricky to to get one by an NHL coach. And, uh, yeah. you know, sometimes we lay awake at night trying to think of the perfect wording, and other times it just comes to us in the it spur of the moment. Save, John. It was a blocker <laughs> save by time. But, yeah, look, I can't go and ask him who's starting the next game. You can't do it that way because yeah. it's it's all – it is half the tuckle, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody said anything about who's going to start and how many games they're going to play. Again, we're, what, 15, 16 games in, so there hasn't been a determination made. Uh, but to answer those questions because people are wondering because the goaltending 
in position just lends itself towards that. Sure, absolutely. And you're talking about one of the pillars of the franchise in Jonathan Quick. You're talking about one of the four players uh, out of this you know, last decade plus that's going to have his, his jersey retired one day and go to the rafters along with Kopitar, Brown, and Dowdy. So when you think of the LA Kings, you, you think of Jonathan Quick in net. There's, there's no other way to say it. Um, he, he is the, the face of the franchise from a goaltending perspective and, and will be for a long, long, long time to come until somebody else rolls into town and has anywhere near the level of success that he as what last night was the what 52nd or 53rd shutout of his career yeah Yeah, which is uh which is pretty phenomenal and you have to wonder you know um who's going to come along at some point and and break that record uh but we'll be here for that and uh dennis six games on the road trip we're uh promising to give people at least a couple more kings of the podcast as well so uh we'll be back soon everybody we'll talk more la kings hockey in the meantime hit us up on twitter you can argue with dennis at dennis tfp and you can yell at me at mayor nhl we look forward to talking to you guys soon have a great day everybody on the road again i just can't wait to get on the road again the life i love is making music with my friends And I can't wait to get on the road again On the road again Going places that I've never been Seeing things that I may never see again And I can't wait to get on the road again Here we go On the road again Like a band of gypsies we go down the highway We're the best of friends Insisting that the world keep turning our way And our way is on the road again I just can't wait to get on the road again The life I love is making music with my friends And I can't wait to get on the road again Big finish And I can't wait to get on the road again again.